Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is episode 16 of The Milkman of St. Gaffs, The Pirates of Jador, part one. I'd like to give a very warm shout-out to new patron Han Rayback, Flysprayer. This podcast is written, recorded, and produced by me, Chris McClure. I also create some of the music, so I really do appreciate the support. You can sign up for Patreon under Howie Milkman. You can also buy a coffee by googling coffee, K-O-F-I, and Howie Milkman. And with that, let's get to the episode, and as always, thank you very much for listening. It's time for The Milkman of St. Gav's, starring Howie the Milkman. (laughs) 
The mop fell, and the sound brought me back to the time when my dear old dad was in jail. He had a mop just like it when he was working maintenance, and I'll never forget the sound of it falling. Like I said before, thoughts are quick, and all in a moment, all my younger years passed before my eyes. My earliest memories of Dad chasing me around the flat and me hiding in a closet full of clothes behind Mom's dresses. I could still feel how scared and excited I was that he'd find me in there. I could still see him and Mom watching me while I spun around singing some crazy song I'd made up in our old living room in the bigger place, his eyes smiling at me. I remembered how proud I was when Dad and me, but mostly Dad, carved a wooden race car for school. It didn't go very fast, but to me, it was the most amazing car in the world. Back then, we lived on the top floor of an old row house. The whole block was one continuous row of houses, all connected, all brown, with the same dilapidated roofs and brick chimneys. It was not far from the factory and not far from the River Kirsten. Outside, there were no lawns like they have on St. Gaff's, just sidewalk and a narrow, potholed street. It was always kind of foggy and yellow outside, not that I really noticed until I finally left the place. There were other kids around, and sometimes some of them would play with me. From when I was really young, I remembered, after being put to bed, I'd stare out the window, there weren't any blinds or anything, and in the summer, it took a long time after I was lying there for it to get dark. Was some thief going to sneak in and get me? Every night I'd fall asleep wondering. Sometimes, my special friend would come and invite me to sneak out, late at night or earlier in the morning a little blue-haired girl named Quint. She was nice. A cherubic little smile and always giggling. We were friends a long time. Like I said a while ago, when I was three and a half, I followed her out to a ditch and fell in. Dad came and pulled me out. They just figured I was a sleepwalker and the doctor told them not to worry. but he made sure to charge Mom five Ruperts to tell her not to worry. But Quint kept inviting me out to show me things. Once she took me to the big garbage bin at the end of the block, there was a model ship someone threw out, and I brought it home. But Mom and Dad didn't see what a neat find it was and said it smelled like pee and threw it away again. Time went on, and I got bigger but Quint would still sometimes visit. I didn't know exactly what she wanted. Once in a while, she'd ask me to go to dark places with her, but I didn't want to go, and I just told her I wasn't allowed to. But with the falling mop ringing in my ears, I recalled that day when I was not quite 12 and still didn't know at all how the world around me worked, but I was big enough to cause some real trouble. I was lying in bed when Quint came by and told me about some really neat bottles that were just lying around somewhere. It was late, but I snuck out, down the smelly carpeted stairs, and out the front door. 
There was a definite smell to the air, burning coal, and the first chill of fall. It got my heart pumping and made me want to go on some kind of adventure. Come on, she said, disappearing around a corner. I followed, and sure enough, a couple blocks away, in a box outside the pub, there were a bunch of empty bottles from some sort of fancy liquor. You know what would be funny? Shove them under the tires of the cars. And there were a couple of cars parked outside, so I took a couple bottles and put them up against the tire. As soon as the car drove off, the tire would pop. I put the last bottle behind a wheel when I felt a large hand around the back of my neck. He pulled me up and turned me around. And what in God's blue heaven do you think you're doing there, son? It was a cop, and that's when I noticed that I'd put the bottles behind the tires of a cop car. I didn't mean I just... You didn't mean it was an accident, eh, you little shit muncher? He was a middle-aged man with a patchy blonde mustache. And then Dad's voice rang out. Hey, that's my son, hands off. The cop dropped me on the sidewalk, which hurt. Dad must have followed me. Ah, so he's your little brat, and this is how you raise him, vandalizing police property in the middle of the night when he should be home asleep? He walks in his sleep. And I suppose he regularly steals bottles and tries to pop men's tires, then does he, while he's asleep even? I'd gotten to my feet at this point. I didn't mean it, it was an accident. The cop looked down at me, and faster than I could see, there was a blinding white pain, and I was on the ground. He'd given me the back of his hand right across my face. And just like that, Dad had him pinned against his car, punching him in the face. Out of nowhere, another cop appeared and pulled Dad off. Hey, get off him! Get off! Get off him right now! Hey, son, let me go! Get off of me! And then, they had Dad in the back of the car in handcuffs. I saw his eyes as they pulled away, and they were mad. Whether mad at me or the police, I didn't know. But I was faced with the task of going home, waking mom up, and telling her the police had dad. It was from about that time, when I was 12, that I had to start doing a lot more around the house. Mom started forgetting about food and other things. They were going to keep dad in jail for a year. I kept hoping Quint would come by again, but I didn't see her for a long time after that. The other kids were too busy to play, and I found myself sneaking out at night, alone. It wasn't hard to get out. I just tiptoed down the stairs and out the door. The top stair, which was close to Mom's room, was really creaky. But I guess she never heard. I poked around the neighborhood and saw all the places where the vagrants slept. Old, rusty playgrounds with dusty trees no kid would dare go in. The filthy creek that ran behind the factory with all the weird sludge in it and the big rats rustling through the bushes. One night, I was out wandering around and I decided to see how far I could go. Past the factory, past the school, the gas works. I ended up down by the port where I'd never been before. It was a lonely, dirty place. Every once in a while, you'd see someone sleeping in their clothes in a doorway. I guess I should have been scared, but I wasn't. I kept playing over and over again in my mind what had happened to my poor dad. If I hadn't gone out that night, 
he never would have gotten thrown in jail. Nothing really made sense to me anymore, and I didn't know what the future held. My teachers were always mad at me for snoozing in class, and they sent letters home that mom never opened. She just threw them on the pile of other letters she never got around to reading. We would have gone to visit dad, but the jail they sent him to was in the next county over, and we didn't have any way of getting out there. Anyways, I kept turning all my misfortunes over and over in my head, and I got mad. I wanted to do something, but I didn't know quite what. I was walking down a garbage-strewn lane with row houses that were a lot worse than mine. There was a staircase for when the houses caught fire, and I walked up and got onto the roof. I walked along, balancing on the slope. There was a drunk singing somewhere in the distance, and it made me feel even more lonesome and angry. Back then, the stars were still white, and I could see a long way over the town. And I decided to show Mingsbite who was boss. So I started ripping shingles off the roof and throwing them down onto the street. When I got tired of that, I started kicking an old crumbly chimney. And that's when I met them. All of a sudden, from out of nowhere, I was surrounded by kids about my age and younger. There were five of them. They were dressed up like pirates, and they even had wooden swords they were pointing at me. Halt right there, you booger-headed scoundrel! The one with the red handkerchief shouted at me. He seemed to be the leader. Who dares raise his bleeding arms against the land of Jador? Shouted the youngest one with a real scar on his cheek. I was just going for a walk. I didn't... Quiet, or we'll strike down your stinky noggin to the king with him. They tied up my hands, and I couldn't do anything about it. I got a better look, and these were thin, dirty kids, but they weren't fooling around. At Wooden Sword Point, I walked down the stairs and onto the street. They marched me along to who knows where. Trespassers will be stabbed in their awful brains. No one knocks down any chimneys around here but us. I heard the drunk singing again, and when we rounded a corner, there was a cop staggering along and singing. Then he saw us and tried to straighten up a bit. Get off the street, you buggers. It's four o'clock in the morning. You're pickled again, Bobby. Go sleep it off, said the leader. I'm the law around here, you brats. The cop fumbled with his club but managed to get it loose. He lunged at us, and the kids scattered. The youngest one with the scar tripped and fell, and the cop took a big swing at him. With my hands tied behind my back, I couldn't really go anywhere, but I threw my body at the cop and knocked him over before his club connected with the kid. Bastard! The cop shouted as he tried to get back on his feet, but he kept stumbling and slipping because he was so drunk. By this time, a lot more pirate kids were swarming in. Get the booby! One shouted, and they rained their wooden swords upon the cop until he finally got to his feet and ran off, a cut bleeding over his eye. But he dropped his club. One kid, about twelve maybe, picked up the club and looked at me. He was their king, and unlike the others, he had on a real pirate hat, a big black one. And who be this sorry potato eater? The one with the red handkerchief answered, we found his scrawny arse sneaking on the roof, kicking away at one of our chimneys. But he defended Scar from the drooling Bobby. 
The king thought about all of this for a minute. I didn't know it was your chimney. Silence! He's never been round these parts before. No excuse, mind. But he's showed us he's got a true pirate's heart. And tonight, he's one of us, the pirates of Jador. A great cheer went up, and the king gave me the Bobby's Billy Club. We'll call him Club Fist. And we spent the night whooping and hollering through the neighborhood. I found out later the king's name was Magowan, but everyone called him Maguan, and that none of the pirates had parents or anywhere really to live. That was the beginning of the period of my life when I ran wild with the pirates of Jador whenever I could. We knocked over a lot of chimneys, broke a lot of gas lamps, and chased a lot of old geezers around. I couldn't go out there all the time though, and I never did figure out where they slept in the day. It was hanging out with the pirates that I got to know a lot of the parts of Mingsbite I'd never been to. In fact, I'd never really been too far from home at all and didn't realize how big the city really was. I told them about my dad getting tossed in jail, thinking it would make me sound tough. But for the pirates, me having a dad meant I was like a rich man trying to hang out with poor people. And then, one day, dad came home. Mom and I were so happy to have him back, but it all seemed a bit strange after a year. Mom was still forgetting things all the time, and Dad was in a bad mood all the time now. He'd get mad at just about anything. And part of me wanted to hug him and play like we used to, but somehow I couldn't. A couple of nights after he was back, I was feeling really restless. So I snuck out and made my way down to the port where I knew the pirates would be. I was walking down one of the shabby old streets when a bunch of shingles fell all around me and I heard the kids laughing. I looked up and there was Scar, whose real name was Shane, and some of the others, a few really young ones I didn't recognize. Clubfist, you lived through the cannonade, now it's time for you to take the test. They brought me up to the rooftops and we walked along until we found Maguan. To my astonishment, he was holding a great soldier's rifle, a real one. We wrenched it from the clutches of a dead potato eater, he explained, and now it's time for you to prove your mettle. I went with Maguan, Shane, and a few others a little further along the rooftops. You see that mangy old slobberer down there? Don't you think he'd look better with a lead ball hole in his head? And he handed me the rifle. I took it but try as I might, I couldn't even aim the thing at the poor old dog sleeping in the miserable weedy backyard. A blight on your flowery liver, Maguan said as he grabbed the rifle and in one motion cocked it and shot the dog. The sound of the shot echoed through the canyons of alleys and laneways, but no one stirred. The dog barely even moved. He just slumped down, dead. Then Maguan shoved the gun back into my hands. You see how cinchy it is? Now to find another. Hey! Give me that thing! What the hell are you doing out here? It was Dad. He tore the gun out of my hands. Wooden swords were drawn and pointed at him. He must have followed me here. Stand and deliver, scoundrel! Your gold or your guts! Hey, that's my dad! So you really do have a dad after all! 
Dad looked down into the backyard. Did you shoot that dog? No. Come on. And he pulled me away to the sound of giggles from the pirates. By the whaler's mother, are you out of your goddamned mind? What kind of lunatic shoots a dog in someone's backyard? On the way home, I tried to explain what had happened, but I'm not sure if Dad ever really believed that I didn't shoot the dog. We never spoke about it again, but the thing just sat there between us, like a ball of black, stomach-churning mold. After that, I couldn't go back to the pirates. They'd think I was a coward for not shooting the dog and for being a daddy's boy with my dad coming to rescue me when I was almost 13 years old. I still snuck out sometimes. I still fared poorly at school. Mom still stared blankly out the window while her cigarette burned down to her fingers. Dad got his job back at the factory, but he'd lost his seniority on account of being jailed and away for so long. I still sometimes played with the kids at school, but they weren't like the pirates. This was all a few years before the big war broke out, and the days washed by in a blur of pale yellow fog and factory soot. I had no direction, no dreams, and no hopes. Mom and Dad didn't talk to each other much anymore. They were awake a lot in the night, which made sneaking out harder. I sometimes caught Dad staring at me with this worried, angry look that I'd never seen before. Then, one day, Quint came back, but she was older, almost decayed-looking, and her giggles were more of a cackle. Once again, she invited me to go with her to the dark places, and this time, for the first time in the midst of my doldrums, I went. She grabbed my hand with her cold, clammy hand, and we walked down some street I'd never been down before. The gas lamps were all broken around here. And then, it's like the road started sloping down and down and down we sank. Until we were at the place, under the cemetery, where all the bodies hung like sides of beef from dangling ropes, dripping down on us. Quint played with the puddles of blood and told me this could be our secret place. I woke up retching and vomiting out my sorrows onto a neighbor's measly little garden box. I'd woken her up with my vomiting and she was poking me with a broom. The police came and took me home to my parents. Drunk he was! And I couldn't convince my parents otherwise. They just wanted to know where I'd gotten the liquor, and there was no way I could tell them about the nightmare I'd had. They tried their best to write it off as a one-time stunt, especially since my birthday was coming up. They asked me what I wanted, but I didn't know. And then, on the day, there was a sad vanilla cake with candles. Dad had gotten me a model ship like the one I'd found in the trash long ago. In a rare glimmer of his old self, Dad asked, Do you like it? I thought we could build it together. But even as he said it, I think he knew we would never make it together. That things had changed, and his little boy wasn't there anymore, and that we could never go back. That evening, I said I was going out with some friends, and Mom mumbled something about having fun. I walked out to the river and followed it to the place where it opened out onto the sea. 
The sun was going down, and it turned the sea and all of Ming's bite red. I walked to the end of the pier with my back to the town, and cried out every tear I had into the river Kirsten, crying for the twelve years I knew were behind me and would never come back, crying because I knew I'd never again see the hope and happiness I'd once seen reflected in my father's eyes. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.